0: my impression of the museum has always been that it's a place where Black women are centered Mm -hmm. and excellence is
1: the name of the game. Black creativity is unstoppable. The Studio Noise podcast takes you into the studio with Black artists and creatives making the art that moves the culture. You get to feel all the inspiration, technique, and passion behind the people making paintings, making sculptures, making prints, making noise. It's the Studio Noise Podcast with your host, Jamal Barber. It's the noise.
2: Yes, it's your boy, Jay Barber. You don't get to be the cream of the crop, the top dog by accident. A reputation is earned over time. Places like the Spelman Museum of Fine Art have a history of exhibiting phenomenal work centering black women. Anybody stepping in to be the director of this institution must not just be able to keep the torch burning, but be ready to lead it to new heights. And I know I'm just a lowly artist with a podcast, (laughs) but I think Spelman found the right one. Today we got Dr. Liz Andrews, the new executive director for the Spelman Museum, telling us all about the exciting new things going on at one of the premier HBCUs in the country. We recorded live from the museum, With the recent show by Lava Thomas called Homecoming. You know we talk about it. You know your boy getting into the details of it. The upcoming show, the Black American Portraits, on the way in February. It's going to be amazing. We talk all about that too. Plus, we got to talk about what an artist gains by being absolutely authentic. The power of museum acquisitions, the meaning of portraits, all that good art talk that you come to know right here on The Noise the Studio Noise the voice of black art follow us on social media at studio noise podcast on the IG hit the website, www.studionoisepodcast.com, Hit me up for feedback on this series of episodes we've been doing last week. We had Cal Coleman of art fields before that we had Bahama Piku and Stephanie Fleming talking about a Dama, whether it's a historic institution, a brand new innovative museum concept or an arts organization, giving money out to the people. Artists are interacting with these organizations and they help shape our careers. And so we got to talk about how we're working with them, how they work with us and how we work together for all of us can sustain ourselves. Most of all, we got to know how do we get to success? What's your version of success is? So we definitely want to make sure we cover all the bases, put some of this stuff on your radar, get you to thinking new thoughts. You know what I mean? Like, cause that's all we can do. Look back, take in all this information and then. Take advantage of it. I want y'all to succeed out there. And so this is how we do it by talking about it. So any feedback y'all got for these list of episodes, give me more suggestions. Let me know you got follow up questions. We'll hit some of these people back up and get them back on the line. Make sure we all understand where we're going in the new year. I hope y'all appreciate it. If you like the noise or you love it, please rate, write a review wherever you listen to this podcast. Why not, Joe? Get us pumped up in the charts. Let everybody know about the noise. I sure do appreciate it. If you really like it, really love it, want to make sure we keep going, go on there, join our Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Every little bit that you give helps keeping me building this archive of the best in Black contemporary art that's out there right now. Why don't y'all check out the fam at Black Art of America Gallery? Gonna be recording some of the episodes of the Noise there soon, hopefully, <laughs> as we put it all together. Uh, that should be a real good time. The show by way of Harlem is on display right now. Go check it out. See some excellent artwork. See the garden. Give the gift of art for the holidays or just get a little something for yourself. Forget them other people. <laughs> get you something nice for yourself, you. That's www.blackartamerican.com. Now reach into your artist contacts, that little list you got on the side. Everybody that you know that's an artist, go ahead, hit select all and let them know the noise is back. And we got the new executive director, the new ED over at Spellman, Dr. Liz Andrews, live from the Spellman Museum. Right here is the noise. Yes. This is Kyle C. Coleman from Artfields in Lake City, South Carolina. You are listening to Studio Noise. All right, yes, it's your boy Jay Barber, Studio Noise, the voice of Black Art, always bringing you the very best in Black contemporary art. And you already know I said it so many times on the podcast. One of the jewels of Atlanta is right here at the Spellman College Museum Fine Art. I, I always come here to all the openings, it's always great. Always some fun artwork. Love the way they present it. And I got our special guest today, Dr. Liz Andrews, the new executive director of the Spellman. Museum of Fine Art. How you doing?
0: I'm so well. Great to be in conversation with you.
2: That's what's up. We got artist, curator, and museum professional here on the show. So she's got a ton of stuff to say. I talked to her, got to know her. And she's wonderful already. Listen to her silky smooth voice that she <laughs> as she talks over here. Hey, <laughs> we're recording live in this live in the Spellman Museum right now. In the current show that's up, Lava Thomas Homecoming, is up to December third. Now this episode might not make it out before the show closes, but. Uh, you really should have made it down here to see it. It's really a fantastic show.
0: It's a beautiful exhibition. Lava Thomas is just a beast with the pencil and paper. Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> one thing I always tell um, when I when I describe the show to people, like, one, it's a wonderful show. And two, as an artist, I just think, how many pencils did she go through to how make this? <laughs> because when you look at Lava Thomas's work, it's so smooth. In terms of the gradation, the values are so, uh, with the lack of strokes inside of it, it's, it's such fascinating. And I know, as an artist, I do know how she does it, and I don't know how she does it <laughs> at the same time. I'd never be able to do it. It's really a fantastic show. Uh, I Actually, before, when we first met at the opening of the show, um, there, I'm always surprised, and I shouldn't be, but how much black talent is actually out there working and producing and making all these wonderful stuff and that you just don't hear from and you just don't know. And and Lava Thomas admittedly was not on my radar at all. But this is like a wonderful introduction uh, of the work. Tell us a little bit about how the show came together. Sure,
0: I think that there's a really beautiful tradition at Spelman Museum of doing exhibitions, especially solo exhibitions, of Artists who are just on the brink of blowing up and becoming superstars. Mm -hmm. And so Lava Thomas, she's more well-known on the West Coast. She's based out of California. But I'm really happy that she's come here because especially the mugshot portraits. Mm -hmm. So there's three bodies of work in the show. And I think the one that people are drawn to the most are women of the montgomery bus boycott so after the election of the 45th president like so many of us lava thomas wanted to do something and she wanted to do a series of portraits she's a portrait artist of women activists and so she found these mugshots and of course everyone knows rosa parks her famous mugshot but she found that there were so many women who were really the crux of the movement. I mean, Joanne Robinson was the organizer who originally had a one-day boycott that turned into the historic boycott, the longest boycott in American history, invited Dr. King, and her and so many women were the ones who kept it going. We often celebrate Single heroes. And what Lava does with this body of work is takes these images that were made at a moment when these women were being criminalized. Harsh light, many of them were faded, many details missing. And she just takes them and not only makes these beautiful portraits, I mean, seeing them in person, there's nothing. Like it between the texture of the fabrics, their gazes, hair, it's all such incredible detail. But by creating these beautiful portraits, she makes their stories visible. Many of the descendants of these women didn't even know that their ancestors had participated in the boycott. So it really is fitting that the Title of the exhibition is Lava Thomas Homecoming because the portraits came home originally to Montgomery, but also are coming home to their rightful place in American history, where we can celebrate the stories of everyday people through incredible art.
2: Yeah, and I think that's one of the fascinating parts about it is that these you're so used to seeing portraits of, and speaking of the Obamas, we were talking Mm -hmm. about before. excuse me, and Ashley and Amy Cheryl, and all this other stuff. Like, but these are just not just the regular folks, but the folks behind the folks that we know. Like we know like kind of the figureheads of all these, um, you know, operations that they had in the South to, to fight against racism. But we don't always see the people that participated presented in this light. You know, I think that's a wonderful thing to be able to see. It's so
0: true and I think it's such a beautiful show for Spellman in particular because it's really about the power of women in collective activism. Mm -hmm. Again, I think taking away the lesson of social movements are not just built on sound bites and speeches of individuals. It's really about regular people coming together and doing very brave things. I mean, at the time of the, the Montgomery bus boycott, these women were risking their lives, their reputations, their jobs, their you know, some of their families really discouraged them from participating because there was no guarantee that it was going to work out. Yeah. So it's, it's a really incredible lesson for the young women that were training here at Spellman as well as the general public to see history visualized in a different way.
2: And I know during the opening reception, some of the families of, like some of the people pictured, got to meet Lava and come and be with the portraits. That's had to be something that. You know. Oh
0: yeah, that was probably the highlight for everyone between the students being able to engage with Lava Thomas. She was so generous with her time and energy. And then we had about 45 of the descendants of the women in these 13 portraits that are here. So that's really speaks to legacy.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and we were talking before, but the one that is not here. At, at oh, the yeah. African American Museum, <laughs> there, there is one <laughs> of arts and culture yeah. at DC. That's right. They yeah. want to come up off it. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> know, it, yeah. I don't
0: blame them because <laughs> I mean that that portrait, these portraits, really belong in mm-hmm. museums. They like do. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're
2: extraordinary, and it, it, it's always powerful when you do have a message like something that is actually being said. The concept, as I always tell my students. Paired with the mastery of techniques, because seeing you know the fabric of the the texture of the wool with the texture of the lace and the cotton, and then the face expressions and all the stuff that she did the hair oh my goodness
0: it's Um, (laughs) that's the sweet spot for me yeah with this this show and and art in general when there is a strong uh, narrative or Mm. message or even not but the the technique. The art itself is incredible. I mean, that's that's when you have something truly magical. When you can tell a story that really hits home, and just I mean, show people how it's done. She's really one of the most incredible portraitists of our time.
2: Absolutely, and surprisingly, uh, another body of work that's paired with it is, is not a series of drawing, but also talks about identity and and actually makes a portrait of her ancestor but based on all these other information as he like well tell us about it the, the sure, Decatur sure. yeah
0: yeah the Decatur series not Decatur Georgia <laughs> but Decatur Texas yeah it's where her great 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 grandfather was from and he fought in the civil war for the union And afterward, you know, he served his time for this country and he decided that he wanted to change his name because he still had his father's enslaver's name. Mm. So it was an act of, you know, self actualization, self definition to change his name. But what had happened was (laughs) he went to get his army pension and they said, no, you're not who you say you are. This name does not match the person who served the army. And so the kind of uh, portrait that you're talking about in a larger sense, there's a full body portrait of him, Charles Arthur, that was a picture that he sent out to people who would testify to say, yes, this man is who he says he is. And it's paired with reproductions of documents that show the eight year long battle that it took for him to prove to the United States military that he was who he said he was, and mm-hmm. to get his you know what he was owed yeah. for serving so it's it's one of those stories where you, you hear about the Civil War, you know, you hear about people changing their names, but it's such a strange um, happening that he just had to fight for something that he'd already accomplished and and after serving, you know, with no guarantee that they were going to win. (laughs) So it's a a pretty incredible story. And I love that she is so engaged both in this work and with the mugshot portraits as well as the portraits of her ancestors with archives. You know, she is... Um, an artist who's working today, you know, totally contemporary artist, but the subject matter is timeless.
2: Right. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. she's
0: really reaching back in history.
2: Yeah. And it's something because when you look through these documents, it's, it's a lot. Like there's testimony from people that knew him, people that he fought with, his documents of his service record. Like you you're basically living this man's life <laughs> with it's him. So true. Basically, as you walk through. And see all the day and become so powerful when you get these voices from the past, basically the dialect that people are using, the handwriting yes. that you kind of got to interpret to tell you all these little, I've known this man as, you know, yeah. <laughs> as Charles, yeah. like whatever at the time. And I don't know and how much he had to fight to get it till he finally like got it in one of the papers, you know, yeah. but like years of his life down to one sentence to say. Seriously, <laughs> you can get you one can document get, yeah. that
0: says, all right, all right, we
3: believe you. <laughs> all finally, right, Charles. Yeah,
2: yeah it, it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm so impressed with this show uh, in terms of how it is. We got to try to still trying to get Lava on the show. Didn't get it on here doing the run of the show. But I would love to talk to her more about like this and the process and all that good stuff. You know, the stuff we loved and nerd stuff about art. yeah
0: yeah and i have to say this exhibition kind of beautifully just fits into the space of the gallery there's kind of a natural three part of the gallery and three parts of the show that just worked really well together and i worked with lava as well as the curator of the show bridget cooks and it just it just seemed like it was meant really um Dr. Cook's approached me about bringing the show to Spelman and it just made complete sense. Yeah. And, you know, such a perfect fit. I mean, we didn't know at the time, perfect fit physically, <laughs> but thematically.
2: No, absolutely it is. And Spelman galleries, if y'all ever been, it's sort of shaped like an E, right? And you come in through kind of the center aisle of it into the space and it opens up in two directions. But y'all always do a great job of presenting some kind of wow piece like right here at the end of the corridor. This one, you have these huge uh, portraits uh, that she drew with the frames around it, the frames immaculate detailed. Again, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. wonderful, <laughs> wonderful Lava Thomas. But uh, tell me this, what, is, what was your impression of the space? I mean, I'm sure you interviewed for the job and maybe mm-hmm. came down and visited and stuff like that. What was your first impressions of being here? Well, long
0: before I interviewed for this job, I got to see the Howard Dean Pendell show. Oh yeah, here. that was great. Oh my God, that, was, that was amazing. I had never seen so much of her work in one place at a time, and I mean, frankly, m- my impression was, this is free. That's <laughs> incredible because you know yeah. some all of the museums in DC, like yeah, African American Museum, are but so many of the major museums. Oh yeah, you can't
2: go nowhere not. in Atlanta for free.
0: Exactly. And <laughs> they don't like that, yeah. So firstly there's that and then this is all for black women artists. Mm. How amazing is that? That's that's incredible and especially someone like Howardina Pindell who has so many different types of work. I remember right here in the viewing room, it was uh free white and 21. Yeah. And that I mean yeah. that next to her you know, um, dots, her dot um, yeah. paintings, collages, if you will. Just so beautiful to see a museum dedicate the entire space to an artist who, um, I think, especially at that time, had not really been recognized in the way that she deserved. And so, I mean, my impression of the Spellman Museum is also tied to the. Reputation of Spelman College, mm-hmm. which is, of course, just excellent, you know, bringing the um, future to reality right now, saying that whether it's in curatorial studies and art history, which is such a strong program here, or, you know, physics, or, you know, there's pre-med majors, there's economics majors, and it just seems like a passion of excellence. So my impression of the museum is has always been that it's a place where black women are centered mm-hmm. and excellence is the name of the game.
2: Absolutely. And so before you came here, you spent five years in executive administrator in the director's office of LACMA. That's right? right. And in we don't often get to talk to the people that are like in these like major institutions that we do like behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Like give us a sense of what the conversations are like at a place like LACMA and like, you know, you doing the curatorial stuff and you like looking at artists and bringing artists in and working with them. Like what is, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the question is, but it's like, what is the vibe there? Sure, <laughs> really sure. know, Cause it's so much we don't know. You know, I
0: feel like my situation was very unique because essentially I was brought in as basically the assistant to the director. But I was fortunate to work with um, one of the greatest directors, museum directors of our time, Michael Govan, who um, is always looking for ways to push the boundaries. Mm -hmm. So from the moment I got there, I was doing more than just... Um, you know, scheduling meetings and whatnot. So I'll say when 2020 rolled around and every institution and brand on the planet was suddenly being asked, what are you doing? Yeah. What yeah. are you doing for people? <laughs> <laughs> you know, for yeah. black people, for queer people, like what are you doing? You know, when it comes to social justice, So luckily, we'd already had the Obama portraits on the schedule. And it had been uh, thankfully delayed, actually. It was supposed to be on view during 2020. But it ended up falling in November of 2021. So that gave uh, my co-curator, Christine Y. Kim and I, about a year to put together a companion exhibition. And this came out of conversations about, you know, the shows, the exhibitions, as well as the collections of major museums are notoriously exclusionary.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so people like Howardina Pindell and so many of the artists that have long been celebrated by places like Spelman College and Clark Atlanta across the way, you know, Hale Woodruff, Charles Mm -hmm. White, Elizabeth Catlett, those people suddenly many museums were scrambling Mm. to acquire works. Right. Trying to (laughs) (laughs) to fill in the blanks. (laughs) Trying to fill in the blanks when, you know, these are artists that were excluded. And I would say LACMA has a better history than many other museums, but we went on a acquiring mission. So (laughs) there were 140 works in that presentation and 70, so half, were new acquisitions. Wow. So we knew we wanted to have an exhibition, but we also knew that it couldn't just be a moment because that was also is, you know, and rightfully is, a lot of the criticism about the responses to the calls for Justice Out 2020. It was so you put up a black square or a post on yeah, Instagram yeah, and Twitter they, yeah. and then kept it moving. Yeah. So, how could we do something different than that? So, we put together this exhibition and it was a museum wide effort, um, some very difficult conversations, definitely frankly, challenging many departments and people who had been doing things the same way for years, decades even, to think differently about fundraising efforts and acquisitions and, and uh, public programming and engagement. So I would say there's no set way of, um, Speaking behind the scenes at these museums. And I, I think I was in a very unique situation because I worked for a director in a museum that was open to mm-hmm. really thinking about its position, at least as far as this exhibition was concerned.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so getting to talk with the artists and work with the artists, what do y'all look for, like behind the scenes, when you do think about like these 70 acquisitions? Like, mm-hmm. like are you looking for, uh, obviously, big names, people that are proven, like over time. But do, is there something in particular you look for in emerging artists or somebody that you want to? Uh, because in a, you have to know, for instance, that if you do pick, acquire a piece from emerging artists, you are putting them on the map, so to speak. That's right. In terms of so, are you all considering that stuff and like what is what does that conversation look like?
0: Yeah. So I would say with that exhibition, we were simultaneously looking backwards in time and looking toward the future. So, you know, there were some gaps in the collection that we really needed to um, fill in. And so there are some historic works that we acquired, but also I think that Probably mm, around 30 of the works were from either 2020 or 2021. Mm -hmm. So it was also very much of the moment. And we, you know, some of the works were by very prominent artists, um, Bisa Butler and Amy Sherald, but others were, Like you said, emerging artists and or not even just emerging artists, but artists that maybe have been around for a while, but hadn't gotten a lot of recognition. Right. One of my favorite acquisitions was by a man named Cedric Adams, who worked as uh, an art handler, preparator at LACMA for decades. And he's got this beautiful self-portrait from the 70s, Mm. uh, graphite on paper. Apparently, I like graphite on paper because we're <laughs> sitting right here next to Lava Thomas.
2: Anybody listening, submit your graphite work straight to Liz.
0: <laughs> it's a tricky thing to work with. It, it really is, is. It definitely is. Like when you is, can do yeah. it well, it's it's pretty incredible. So that was an interesting acquisition because it was a little, um, it was a little unprecedented because a bunch of the staff at LACMA contributed small amounts to acquire it. Oh, wow. So when you look at the credit line, it's a paragraph basically, you know, rather yeah. than just collection of this one person. So I'd say in looking at the emerging artists, especially for that show, it was, it's always, what does this do for the collection? What, does this, what is bringing this into a major museum collection? mean for all time Mm -hmm. you know how does it speak to the moment how does it speak to movements in art history what does it um what does it bring that we have not seen before Mm -hmm. so among the young artists who we brought in were uh chase hall for instance and um yeah it was it (laughs) god it's it's all a blur now honestly <laughs> that was like the craziest time of life because we're also doing so much of this over zoom
2: oh yeah you know yeah
0: so um a, a work that i also really loved was a uh, daguerreotype mm. of a woman that will have when we bring the show here which there we'll we talk go. about in yes a second. and uh ron finley of all people the gangster gardener out of <laughs> los angeles County, california I'm going to put him on blast, but he has a pretty impressive collection of historic photography uh, of Black subjects daguerreotypes, tintypes, carte de visite. And you wouldn't know because he does so many things, but um, we chose one portrait in particular in excellent co- condition of this woman. And it's, you know, probably from the 1870s. She's got her hair beautifully done she's got a dress um you know jewelry and then she's holding a book and you think about the climate and the visual culture of the united states at that time and it is not at all friendly to black people so she was saying to the world with this studio portrait that she had made you know i am beautiful I am sophisticated, I have class, and I have education, I have knowledge. And coming out of enslavement where it's literally, literally illegal to be literate. Right, yeah. It's a powerful thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: hey everybody this is visa
0: butler and you are listening to studio noise podcast
2: i think about that in uh, the afro-atlantic history show we had the, um, the curator for that show on the podcast too but just thinking about um When you make work, and this is a message for artists, we always, the audience is artists. Um, When you're making work, make work for the moment and don't think about history per se. Like put everything that you're feeling into your work and if you make a statement that will resonate across time, it will be in a lot of ways unintentional because you can't speak to across time when you're making work. It's too big of a thing for you to even kind of imagine like the kind of uh, power that it has. And I think about it when you just describe that, like her making that portrait of herself was uh, maybe even a personal affirmation. Absolutely. Right. And now it speaks across time because it was so authentic in the moment yes. that you made it. And so that's a great message for artists. Uh, that show that we're talking about, Black American Portraits will be here at the Spelman Gallery February 8th through May 15th, 2023. You know the noise is gonna be there. We got to be there. (laughs) You better be then check it out. But tell us more about this show and how exciting you are, how excited you are to bring the show here for everybody on this side, this coast to see it. We (laughs) you know what I mean?
0: Oh my goodness. I was just um doing some some of the final layouts and everything this week, and I'm I'm really being able to start to see it. You know, in the space. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling that it will feel much more, in some ways, reverent here. Mm. Um, The gallery that it was in at LACMA, the Resnick Pavilion, is beautiful. Beautiful um, white walls, light-colored concrete floors, and a whole wall of windows. So very airy. And it's you know, it's got a California vibe. Hey, you it know. feels like it feels <laughs> it's like it's LA, near baby. The ocean. Yeah. It's like, you know, it it's a beautiful kind of white cube exactly for
2: leave in and States. go surfing on the beach or something. <laughs> you can.
0: <laughs> and here, you know, just being on the hallowed grounds of the AUC at Spelman, there's such a deep history and I mean, literally, when you walk in, there's these gorgeous brown cherry wood floor, mm-hmm. where you can see reflections of the art in, and that kind of um, U or E shape that you were talking about. It also feels just very reverent. Mm-hmm. It feels like you can walk in here, and any direction you go, you will find something amazing. So having it here in the space. I think will be beautiful because the the work is just spans across time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a portrait from around seventeen ninety all the way up to a painting that we're getting just for Spellman that will be completed this year in twenty twenty two. So it really is a history, an in, incomplete history nonetheless, because it's really focused on the Los Angeles County Museum of Art Collection. But it's, you know, men artists, women artists, and trans artists. It's photographers, sculptors, painters, collage artists. And I'll say at LACMA, we really were inspired by David Driscoll's Mm. exhibition in 1976, Two Centuries of Black American Art, because he originated that show at Spelman, or Mm. sorry, at LACMA. (laughs) I'm mixing up my museums. No, it started at LACMA and it did travel to the high here in Atlanta. So it was in some ways an homage to David Driscoll. And I think we're going even deeper this time in really centering black women artists. Um, So when you walk through the door, you were talking about the two large drawings on the wall that you walk in when you walk into the gallery you're facing north and there's a huge wall called the signature wall so that's that's the sight line that you it's your first impression when you walk in the gallery and so you always want to think about what that's going to be and so for our presentation we will have two enormous paintings by two AUC alums, two women. So side by side, we'll have a portrait by Amy Sherald, who graduated from Clark Atlanta University and Mm -hmm. of course became a superstar after the commission of the official National Portrait Gallery portrait of Michelle Obama. So there'll be a huge painting of surfers by Amy Sherald. Right next to a painting by Kalita Rawls, mm. who graduated from Spelman College. Oh,
2: yeah. Ooh, love her work.
0: It's, oh, God, another one yeah. where you're just like, this isn't a photograph? <laughs> How is this not a photograph? <laughs> yeah, tremendous. Tremendous artist. And it's really special for Spelman because this is not a work that's traveling with the exhibition. This is a commission for Spelman College of this painting by Kalita. And it will will be coming here on her 25th reunion year. So special. And so those two paintings side by side as the first thing that you see, both about water, both by black women artists who came out of this very space Mm -hmm. of Spelman College, both of them took their painting classes together actually their contemporaries here at Spellman. So the first thing you'll see is not just the incredible history of Black American portraits, but also the influence of HBCUs. Mm-hmm. Because right next to those two, to the left, you'll see a quilt by Bisa Butler, who went to
2: Howard, Howard University. University. Yep.
0: So I think that there's a special story that we can tell here at Spellman that is even deeper than the general message of the show. And that's that these kind of going back to the thing about collective stories and collective action, it's not just about the superstar artists of Amy and Bisa and Kalita. It's about that they came out of these communities that nurtured them as artists and nurtured them specifically as black women artists. Yeah.
2: That's amazing, y'all. Uh, tell me a little bit about what your ideas of black portraiture now. I think uh, it's become a pretty popular um, presentation of black art in terms mm-hmm. of having portraitures. Um, portraits of black people in various states of rest and doing and being um, with various backgrounds You know that we've all seen before. Like, what do you think about this moment in in Black art?
0: Yeah, thank you for that question. Because there is certainly a moment happening right now where Black figurative art is in vogue. And in many ways, it's beautiful. And then in many ways, it's also curious because uh, galleries and Collectors and museums who had no interest in uh, these types of renderings are suddenly interested. But as far as what portraiture is, there's kind of the definition that we know and have come to accept of portraiture, and that's, you know, a picture that includes a face. Mm-hmm. You know It's a, a picture of a person whether it be a photo, a painting, a sculpture even. But there's an older definition of portraiture that I always go back to with this show and in general where a portrait can be not necessarily just a a picture of a person but something that is representative of something larger than itself. So, you know, you, you could... Paint a landscape of a battle and something about that represents something larger than itself. That could be a portrait. Mm-hmm. It didn't necessarily have to be a picture of a person. And so in this show, you'll see traditional portraits, you know, things that are very straightforward, but then you'll also see things that are more abstracted. For instance, there's a piece by Betty Saar. And it's called phrenology. It's the uh, profile of a figure, and it kind of uh, visualizes the inner workings of this figure's mind. And so that's certainly not a portrait in the traditional sense, in that it's a picture of an individual person, but more of in the sense that it's an idea that it's coming across, it's an extraction of what an individual is in their internal mind. So you'll see many different things that um, really call into question what a portrait is. And I think that that's a really good thing for this moment in time, especially thinking about black artists Mm -hmm. because we are always pushing the boundaries, mastering forms and then flipping them on their heads. And so this show will definitely have things that are probably surprise many people for their inclusion.
2: I agree. And I, I, it's something about when I look at older pictures of black people, uh, painting black people, uh, mm-hmm. that I think there's a, there was perhaps a different intention to it too. Because you kind of knew and had the feeling that this really is for me or like a particular audience. It was not going to be like a mass celebrated going to the Met or like stuff like that. That's not, I don't think they created with the intention back then. Like it's different now because now there is so much uh, attention to be divided between these things, especially like 2020 and all these other moments where people are being pushed to diversify their collections. Um, that diversity, that eye in which we op- the eye under which we operate is different than I think back in the day. So yeah. a lot of those like portraits to me have a a different meaning to them because it was meant it created perhaps to never have been seen at all, you know. So mm-hmm. and there's always something to that when I when at, I think about you know,
0: it. No, I I like that reading because you know traditionally portraits. Portraiture is a tool of power. Right. So portraits would be commissioned to render an individual for posterity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a king he was um crowned, or there was a large inheritance, or a marriage, and it was to, you know, uplift the image of of someone for all time. And it's interesting because uh, speaking to people about Amy Sherald's Michelle Obama portrait, I have people ask me sometimes, like, "Do you think it even looks like her?" I mean, <laughs> I love the portrait,
2: but does it actually look like her? And not, my, not the whole gray skin <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, debate. That's part <laughs> back of back in the day.
0: But what's funny to me is if you so you know up the road from the National Museum of African American History and Culture is the National Portrait Gallery. Mm-hmm. And they have a permanent exhibition called America's Presidents. When you walk in the door, there's an area of probably six to eight portraits of George Washington. And there are as many versions of him as there are portraits. Right. You know, we have accepted Gilbert Stewart's portrait of George Washington, which was used for... The dollar bill, the mm. Lansdowne, it's the most famous portraits of, of George Washington. But we all know they were not the most accurate. <laughs> they were the most flattering. Yes. They were the most iconic. So the other thing about portraiture is that it is, it is not necessarily, uh, especially in painting, just a straight picture yeah. of the person. It, it's yeah. about an idea. It's yeah. about putting an image out
2: there. Yeah. It's, it's about propaganda, especially when it's it like, yeah, created for like certain purposes. <laughs> we, <laughs> totally. That's so true. So true. That's going to be an exciting time and more exciting times coming up. We got the Spelman Center for Innovation in the Arts uh, coming up here being built. When is when is it projected to open?
0: I believe the open date is fall 2025.
2: Fall 2025. It's going to yeah. be a tremendous center just from seeing all the pictures and all the the donors and the money and everything that you got coming with it is so exciting. What do you think about leading like a museum into like this brand new, uh, really a cornerstone of a cultural space for black institutions? Really?
0: Yeah. You know, one of the things I said when I was talking about my impression of the Spelman museum is that I'm just amazed that it is free and open to the public. But I will say, you have to walk through the gates of Spelman and you have to, you know, find the Cosby Academic Building.
2: Yeah. And pay so. For pay
0: for parking. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> Let me not say it's free. You've got to count for parking. It's in worth it, yo. It's worth it.
2: Come on down. <laughs> it Pick, definitely give is. a little money. Come down.
0: But this building, the Center for Innovation and the Arts, will be outside the gates of Spelman. Nice. And this will be an additional gallery so we'll still have this gallery here but we'll we'll have another space that is also open to the public and feels probably more open to the public because it will be right on Lee Street right there when you're coming in so i think that there's so many opportunities there to perhaps have more than one show at once to have maybe a long-term installation in that space and rotating collection here, so it allows us to function at a much higher level, mm-hmm. you know, because traditionally the museum has been able to do one show or two shows in the singular gallery, and this this will um, be a space where the public is invited in a different way, but also all of the different clusters of the arts will live there. So we'll have a theater there as well. You know, dance will be there. Theater will be there. And then the innovation lab will have a space there. So the idea is that it will be a space where people naturally come together to collaborate and have interdisciplinary conversations and projects. So it's really exciting.
2: Oh yeah. that That's going to be a phenomenal thing. Um, so if we talk a little bit about um, Spellman, Spellman has, in unbeknownst to a lot of people, a tremendous art collection, uh, one of which was highlighted in the show that you had recently. And now you have other plans for the collection. You work behind the scenes. Tell us a little bit about the Spellman collection and kind of the plans you got coming up for it.
0: Sure. Yeah, I think that w- working in museums, the collections are always one of those things that are a mystery. To the public a lot of the time. And that's. And, and
2: not for nothing. Oh, no. I didn't know that Spellman was collecting this entire oh, time. Really? It's not nothing that is oh, like advertised wow. or mentioned mm-hmm. or it's on a website <laughs> that you can yeah. look at. Like it's, like it's none of that stuff. It's kind of like, y'all, little secret. Like it's not like the Clark yeah. Collection. The Clark Collection I've seen hmm. and um, been a part of, like, you know, Tina Dunkley was doing um, right. curation and set up for stuff like that. So used to visit it all the time. But N- don't hear that much about the Spellman collection.
0: Yeah, and it is an incredible collection. I mean, Spellman has been collecting art from the very beginning long before the museum was founded, and there are about 440 objects in the collection. Uh spanning a range of um media, time, location. And so Coming into this role, I've really wanted to prioritize the collection in a new way. So I think this is the first time I'm actually speaking about this publicly, but we were awarded a grant from the Mellon Foundation nice Art Museum Futures Fund. yeah, And that's allowed me to create a new position of collections manager. We just hired the incredible Shannon Kimbrough, who was... Formerly managing the art collection of the city of Atlanta. So big time. Yeah. And it's really about <laughs> a lot of the not so sexy stuff behind the <laughs> scenes. Like <laughs> climate control and art storage and right. flat files. Yes. and You know, water for purification systems <laughs> and conservation treatments. So right. Humidity. Uh, <laughs> humidity, oh, yes. oh, which we have to worry about here. That's not the same. Oh, yeah. It's not the same
2: in It's Georgia, California. baby. It's Georgia. <laughs> it's, all, it's all humidity. Different
0: kind <laughs> of uh, climate here. So I'm, I'm really excited about that because we have an, an amazing partner in the AUC Art History and Curatorial Studies Collective. It's a major and minor and also classes of students from across the atlanta university center campuses who are really being trained to be the future of museums galleries of of art historians and so we have this captive audience of students as well as you know art students and this incredible collection so i envision courses in conservation and that. There aren't really anything, there are no courses in conservation at any of oh, the yeah, colleges that I know huge, of yeah. in, in Atlanta, period. Huge. So that will be huge. And then we are in the process of treating many of the works for the first time in a long time, if not ever. And um, part of that effort, so you got to see the exhibition we had in the spring of 2022 silver linings, mm-hmm. which celebrated 25 years of the museum. We just turned 25 last year, and it was 40 works from the permanent collection, uh, primarily modern and contemporary African-American art, male and female artists. You know, most people don't know there are three Benny Andrews wow. works in yeah. the Spellman collection. You yeah. Know. There were a couple. Hill Woodruff drawings, but also, you know, an incredible Elizabeth Catlett sculpture, a Betty Blayton painting that will knock your socks off. So, uh, that exhibition, those 40 works, or around that, will travel for the first time and go on national tours. So, Silver Linings will open at Vassar College in the fall of 2023 and go to two or three other venues across the country and really tell the story of the importance of, you know, like I said, many of these major museums are just now trying to catch up with places like Spelman and Clark Atlanta. And these have been the repositories for artists who are now recognized as some of the masters of the 20th, 21st century. And Spellman has been doing that work this yeah. entire time.
2: Yeah, that's tremendous, you uh, all and that's going to be great. Tell us about how, um, how much when we do talk about HBCUs, I it, it's a I, it's so under told the story about the collections that some of these HBCUs like Fisk has amazing collection, Fisk does right. The AUC, the Clark Atlanta has an amazing collection, like all these places have these amazing collections. Um, Tell us, tell us what it would what it means for the university itself to be able to tour a mm. collection of of such tremendous value. Because we, we we hear these stories all the time about uh, you know such and such has these you know Hale Woodruff murals uh, just sitting around you know being <laughs> right <laughs> falling apart. <laughs> you know what I mean. But you know they clean them up and put them in the high. And people are lining up to see right. like, there's amazing stuff that, you know, you here at Spelman and all these other colleges get to experience all the time, but not necessarily have the funding to do what you need to do with them. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. There's a, a piece by Genevieve Gagnard, it's based out of Los Angeles. Um, it says, we are more than a moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the crux of it. It's going into the fact that there are deep, rich histories at these colleges, at these places that have been training, you know, lawyers, doctors, the, um, you know, the professionals of generations, and art has always been a part of that effort. You know, we've always valued our own culture in these places. so. I think that it's a real statement to the world to say you know, if you want to see most of Selma Burke's sculptures, you need to come to Spelman. Mm-hmm. If you want to see everything that went into the Atlanta annuals, you need to go to Clark Atlanta. And so with this exhibition, I think there's a beautiful story to be told, especially going to a place like Vassar College where... They also have a museum. They've also been collecting from the very beginning. They were originally a women's college, but, you know, lo and behold, black people were not allowed. Wow. You know? Go figure, yeah. Go figure. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's, it's a, a beautiful thing to uphold the rich history of Spellman and art collecting, but also to enable spaces like Vassar College to say, you know, we really missed the mark. You know, we can have a sorted past when it comes to not only Black artists, but Black students, you know, potential. So I think that audiences around the country will be able to really think about the impact of HBCUs across time.
2: Absolutely. And so... Part of this is this interview is a part of, uh, you know, a series that I'm doing here, you know, trying something new with the podcast where we're talking about uh, the kind of interactions with artists and institutions and like what's being done, like whether it's the innovation through uh, something like Adama or if it's uh, the art fields and what they're doing with their competition. Uh, now Spellman is a different kind of institution, um, historical in nature, uh, still highly valued. What do you what would you say to artists about how they should relate to an institution like this or any other kind of museum space uh, that's sacred (laughs) in a way in which we present it?
0: I think that there are multiple ways of looking and you can do that at the same time. So there's seeing the beautiful art on view and then thinking about the context of who is the audience they are looking to reach here um what is what does it seem like the wall text is trying to say who does it who does it speak to who what's the voice that is being used to address the viewer so i mean i think that there is a way to both appreciate and question everything you experience at an art museum and a gallery. Because, um, you know, it's interesting. Museums we've seen in many studies are highly regarded across race, across political spectrum, across class. People see museums as valuable cultural institutions. but they are not perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, in in many ways, museums are uh, part and parcel to colonialism. You know, museums were originally invented to show the greatness of Europe and the objects of the other places Mm -hmm. on earth and to kind of reinforce the hierarchy. So I would say, you know, question everything. (laughs) Like, Know that, Even, even, and especially at a at a place like this where we're centering Black women artists, um, there's whenever you're making a decision to include, you're always naturally making a decision to exclude other things. Right. So I would say, you know, know that these places are incredible sites of learning, and also that they can be questioned and should be.
2: Absolutely. That's a brilliant answer. This is why she's the director. <laughs> right here at the Spell <laughs> Museum. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Liz. It's great talking to you. You, you are definitely a friend of the podcast. Oh. We, we will definitely be seeing much more of you. There's all these exciting shows coming up next year. Got the Black American portraits. Anything else that you want to can preview Like that you're thinking about?
0: You know, I just want to give a shout out to our curator-in-residence, Karen Comer Lowe.
2: Yeah, what's bottom. up, Karen? Yeah.
0: Yeah, Karen is great. I, I really, she and I work together on the Silver Linings show, and she's got some very exciting things coming up in the next couple years we'll be announcing. So, you know, just want to show her some love, too.
2: That's what's up, yo. And it's the Spelman Museum. How do they get in contact with y'all and find y'all online and all that good stuff?
0: Sure. You can find us online at museum.spellman.edu or on Instagram and Twitter at Spellman Museum. Well,
2: if it's what's left of Twitter? Like, what's left of, why.
0: yeah. If it still exists by the time this <laughs> podcast comes out, you might be able to find us on there. But you could definitely see us on Instagram. And then, of course, you can see us in person. So through December 3rd of 2022, we have Lava Thomas Homecoming and we're open wednesday through saturday 12 to 5 free and open to the public the hours will be the same in the spring when we have black american
2: portraits all right that's it It's the noise thank you for coming on the podcast yo. thank you thank you and that's it another episode of studio noise in the bag Big shout out to Dr. Liz Andrews, the Spamma Museum right here in Atlanta. Studio noise approved, yes. Next week, might be back talking some old foolishness, <laughs> some nonsense to end the year, talk that good stuff. All my artists out there, where do you want you associate your art? What institutions will help you push it to the next level, think about it, and then keep making that noise? Yes, it's nothing without the noise, baby. It's your boy, Jay Barber, Studio Noise. See y'all
1: next week. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Studio Noise Podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please take a second to rate us and write a review to make sure everybody knows about the noise. Follow us on Instagram at Studio Noise Podcast.